Good morning, City Hope. Good to see you guys. Okay. Thanks so much. Some of you are looking like, who is that guy? I'm, I'm Jerry Taylor. I'm the pastor, so it's good to see you. Uh, we had a great time. Pastor Ben and I were in uh, the Netherlands doing a church conference there, uh, actually in a town in the north, right on the North Sea, uh, Lea Warden, and there at the church, the Salvador, with Pastor Nikolai, and uh, we just had an incredible time there. And then we went south a little bit to Naples and ministered at a church there uh, that we're also partnering with. So we just had a great time. Uh, I will tell you that Ben did get a little uh, out of hand. Um, <laughs> for some reason, the band decided to open some of the services with right before we'd come up with Sweet Home Alabama. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and Ben kind of took advantage of that. He's a football fan, you know, and he started teaching them. Yeah, yeah, and so the pastor instead of rebuking that he had him do it again on sunday morning like you know it's like it's a call to worship sign over there but great church those people they they don't know you but they love you already they love city hope it's just a great group of people we're so excited to be working with them and partnering with them and uh, just had a great time but it's good to be home uh it's good to be back and uh, i want to uh, invite you remind you i know it's a little it's still a few days out, but our first Wednesday is going to be incredible. Uh, our campus pastor in, in China will be here. Uh, in fact, they were in the first service, he and his wife and three kids, so they will be here. He's going to be ministering to you. Also, our worship leader from the Honduras campus, campus, she will be here leading some of the worship. And then we're not letting Pastor Pablo come, but his wife Kim is going to come. And they're going to stay over for the ladies' conference, and Bay is going to be doing some worship in that. So it's just going to be an incredible time from first Wednesday on. And guys, you're going to have to come the first Wednesday because they're not going to let you in the ladies' conference at all. So you'll have to get it on Wednesday night. So put that down, mark it down. It's going to have a great time. Well, I want to continue in the series Stronger. We're in the fifth part. And I want to say uh, Trey did an incredible job the last two weekends relating our heart to becoming stronger in our relationship with God. And so what we've talked about thus far is stronger in faith, in devotion, in meditation, and in passion, worship. This weekend I'm going to talk about being stronger in mission. There is a mission God has placed in your heart. Or you could say it this way. There's a purpose God's placed in your heart. Here's where it started. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. He has saved us and called us to a holy life not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. So notice that scripture. He saved us, he called us, he purposed us, and he graced us. But between the salvation and between the grace, you have this sandwich, and what's sandwiched between them is our calling, our purpose, or we could say it this way, our mission. So when you became a believer, here's what happened. Jesus planted his seed of God-likeness in your spirit, man. And so that seed is your divine design, your purpose, your life to grow. It's the God-likeness inside of your spirit, man, that's going to become evident as you grow in the Lord. So this divine design grows as we become more and more like him. It's the perfect pattern for our purpose. Now, in 1 Corinthians six nineteen. You know this scripture, but let me remind you of what it says. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? So the Holy Spirit comes 
upon us from the inside, comes to our spirit man. When you, you become a believer, your spirit man comes alive. Holy Spirit connects to your spirit man. The Greek word baptizo means to whelm or overwhelm. In other words, the Holy Spirit, a picture for you to see is like the Holy Spirit comes like rivers of living water to flood and inundate our being, uh, allowing us to live and move and have our very being. And here's what that means, to live out our mission, to live out our purpose on this earth. And I know, so let's just be honest, when I talk about the Holy Spirit, for some, it's, it's a little scary, and for some, they, they don't want to talk about it. And then we're kind of like, let's just stay away from that topic, let's don't discuss it. But, but there could be nothing further from God's purpose. He wants you to understand His Holy Spirit because it's wonderful. A wonderful thing is the presence of the Holy Spirit and what He can do in a person's life. So, in the book of Acts, it shows us how much early believers depended and looked to, interacted with, and spoke about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he, he, was, part of the part, he was part of their mission in the beginning of the church. He was a vital part of them finding and completing their purpose. So let me say it this way. This, this, may, this statement may kind of like check you just a minute, but, but let, me, let me explain it, okay? There is no Christianity without the Holy Spirit. There isn't, and let me show you why. Because the Holy Spirit convicts you and draws you to God. It, it wasn't the sermon, it was the Word of God with the Holy Spirit, with the Word convicting you and drawing you. And, and, and understand this, He bat, when you become a believer and you repent and you ask Jesus in your life, He baptizes you, the Holy Spirit does, into Jesus Christ, and then He leads and directs our mission in life. So if you remove the Holy Spirit from Christianity, immediately things become dry and they become habit and they become religious. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. When you mention the Holy Spirit, especially in the United States, especially in the Bible Belt, when you mention the Holy Spirit, immediately your mind goes to gifts or tongues or interpretation of tongues or prophecy, the, the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. But here's what I want you to catch. The, the, you, you have to catch this premise before I can go on in the message, okay? It's more important to know the person of the Holy Spirit before you know what the person of the Holy Spirit does. You need to know the person of the Holy Spirit. He is God. He is part of the Trinity, and you need to know the person. But since we have so much wrong information, so much misrepresented information, so many things in our culture in America, listen, America is the only culture that I've been in, and, and I've been around preaching, where when you mention Holy Spirit, kind of everybody's guard goes up. In other countries, they're, they're open to it. Why? Because we have so much information that's wrong, so much been misrepresented. We have so many things in our minds, because we are focused more on the gifts than we are the person of the Holy Spirit. So this message is for you to understand and to see how important it is to know the person of the Holy Spirit. So Acts chapter 1, verse 1. And Luke is probably the writer of this. In my former book, Theophilus, I write about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. This is after the resurrection, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, that's the cross, he presented himself to them, gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He shows himself. He talks to all these people. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, watch this, he was eating with them, the disciples, and he gave them this command. 
Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Because John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then watch what, they, watch what happens. Here's the word he's given them. And they gathered around him, and look what they ask him. Lord, are you going to at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Jesus comes along and says, hey, I'm going to give you this power. And then what he said went straight to their brains, and they didn't hear him, and they just said, hey, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? They changed the subject. And the Lord's probably like, didn't you hear me? I I just said, go wait, wait for power. I I wasn't talking about that, go wait for power. See, they need their questions asked, answered. They they needed to ask their questions, have them answered, but, 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 but. See, we don't like the conditions of the Romans right now. We don't like the conditions of our nations. We don't like what they're doing to us and how they're doing. What are you going to do about that, Jesus? And then in verse 7, he said this. He said to them, it is not for you to know. It's not for you to know. Turn to somebody and say, it's not for you to know. Now turn to the other person that you rejected and say, it's not for you to know. (laughs) The area that we are jumping off into this weekend, listen to me, please, is not intellectual study. I'm I'm not going to teach you theology, so to speak. I am going to do a series on this later on in the year or the first of next year. I've done it before, but I'm going to revise it. But but I'm going to teach on the Holy Spirit. But it's not not to teach you theology, so to speak, not just give you more doctrine that goes into your mind so you throw out all your questions. Instead, I want you to know that you can experience something. And God is saying to you, yeah, you got a lot of questions, and I realize that, but you need to come at this with a different approach. You need to listen to this message with a different approach because it's not for you to know the dates and the times the Father has set by his authority, but you need power. You need an encounter with power. You need to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so you can be my witnesses. Now, here's what I believe. I believe that everybody, every Christian, everybody, I really believe that people, true Christians, want to serve a God of wonders. I I believe it's one thing to sing about it, and I think it's one thing to study the stories of the days of past, but I really believe that people believe the kingdom of God is not just a matter of talk, but it's a matter of power, and I believe there is a driving passion for more of God. There is more to him experience to experience than any of us have experienced yet. I mean, can you imagine going to heaven and you hear him say, I, I, I have this fear. I mean, I really do. I, and, and I see Jesus and he says, Jerry, that, boy, that, that, there, was a whole lot more, there was a whole lot more things I, I wanted you to do through your mission. See, I don't think I've really ever met anyone that said, oh, I think I have everything God has to offer. In this message, I do not want to be controversial. I have no desire to be right. My desire is to help everyone become stronger in God. And I think a lot of people are dissatisfied with things in life, with the job, with marriages, even dissatisfied with things in the Bible because they look at the Bible like, oh, this is a brochure. Oh, this is where we can go. Oh, this is the next vacation spot. This is the next level, but I don't think I'm ever going to get there. So instead, we're getting this church, we have been on this bus, if you will. We've been on this bus, and we're taking a trip together to higher heights in God. We are constantly in pursuit to develop healthier people so our church is healthier to go to new heights in God for the mission of this church. But here's where it starts. Listen, David said it like this. David said, as the deer pants for the stream of water, my soul pants for you. 
Where does it start, this whole thing with the Holy Spirit and, and understanding I can be stronger? It doesn't start with understanding the gifts. It doesn't start with more theology and doctrine. It starts with, I want more of God. I desire to know more about God. I want my spirit man to feast on the things of God. And this message isn't really about theology or about just getting more into this subject and doctrine. That's not it. It is a process of you growing stronger by wanting more. And, and, And let me say this to you. Some of you did not grow up in church. And can I tell you something? That is a blessing in disguise. Am I telling the truth? Some of us grew up in church from one extreme about the Holy Spirit to the other extreme about the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, whichever camp you grew up in, we're messed up. We have some messed up thinking. We have some biased thinking. We have some thoughts that are not lined up. They're not correct. And, 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 and so many of us have been taught that the miracles have ceased. Oh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they're just for birthing the church. And after the last apostle died, oh, we don't need them anymore. And so uh, that produced a lot of bias against the power of God. And I think there are people, even with a bias, that would say, and they believe God can do more than that, and he really wants to do more, and they really want to experience more. But we have all these barriers because of what we've seen, what we've heard, what we've, what's been demonstrated, what we saw. I grew up experiencing the presence of God. I grew up experiencing the power of God. I, I, I grew up in, 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 the, in this movement that you would call Pentecostalism. I, I grew up in that, and, and, and listen, I, I experienced those things, but then I also experienced some things that were very man-made, and they were very emotionally driven, emotionalism, and, and preachers and people were conjuring up and doing things out of the flesh and out of the mind. It wasn't anything to do with the Spirit. And what did I want? I just wanted the pure presence of God. I desired more than what I had. And, but I want to take people, I want to take you on a journey of knowing and growing in the power of God so you can complete your mission. Because listen, at 45 years of age, I finally get to a place where I'm saying, okay, God, I don't want that. I want pure. I want to know the real thing. And in that journey, God birthed this church in my heart. In that journey, I began to explore things in God from a different perspective and understanding. And, and, and listen, I know there are a lot of barriers out there, and and most of them exist in our country. There is something in our religious culture, in our non-religious culture, that has conditioned us against the things of the Holy Spirit that he has to offer us. And think about this. The very thing we need, other than our salvation, to get us to heaven, but what helps us here is the Holy Spirit, and that's the thing we need. And here we are in a nation that's blessed and prosperous, and we've sent out more missionaries and more ministry than any nation in the history of mankind. And here we are, we're struggling, and everybody has a different opinion. Everybody has a different camp on the Holy Spirit, and is one extreme to the other extreme. And it, and it grieves my heart that, that we're in this condition that we're in in our nation. In this message, I'm just asking you to take the walk and see for yourself. And and you know every church has its critics, and the more you grow, the more you have, and some of them get very vocal from time to time. But listen to me. About nine years ago, I made some changes here by the direction of the Holy Spirit for the mission of this house. And here's what I decided nine years ago, because I knew it was from God. But when people talk about or say things about us and how we worship or what we do and what we believe, I decided to never defend what the Holy Spirit told me to do. I don't bow up and defend what he told me to do. Here's here's the mindset that I have. Well, you you just come and see. You come kick the tires. 
You, you come check it out. You, 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 know, you know, I mean, really, look around. Quit listening to everybody out there. Hey, don't, don't even listen to me. Don't listen to what I believe. Don't let that convince you. You just need to look no further than God and His Word, and you come check it out. And my hope is that, that you would start over with a fresh start with this whole thing. If you're ignorant you didn't know anything about it, well, God bless you, you're in a great place. But if you know a whole lot about it on one extreme or the other, I mean, I think it's to the place that you have bias, you're going to be biased on one side or the other. It's just let God clear your page, start over, so that you can think differently. And that was my introduction. (laughs) So here's the message. I believe there are three main obstacles that keep us from enjoying the fullness of the Spirit of God. And I want to show you those obstacles. Here's the first one. Uninterested. Pastor, I I appreciate your zeal and your passion and all that, but I'm not even sure I need this Holy Spirit. I mean, I'm kind of happy where I am. You know, uh, you see, I think think there are people like that, but I don't think they're here because you wouldn't be here if you were like that, I don't think. I I think some say, well, I am fine where I am. Don't don't mess with me. Life's not bad. I like my Christian view from the mountain I'm on. I'm I'm up so far on this Christian mountain, been on it for a while, kind of like the view, don't need to go any further. Everything's fine here. But I have to say in response to you, in in meekness to say, you, you really don't have that option. I believe God's calling his church to be a powerful church. And we've been operating like this for, for years, but, but I think it's, it's time for more power, more, more strength and stronger. And, and, and God's called us to operate this church as a powerful church and not for the sake of showmanship. If you've been around here very long, you, you, you know there's not a bit of showmanship around here. There's no Jerry Taylor Ministries around here, none of that. Why? Because we're not here to promote ourselves. We're here to grow the kingdom of God. And I'm convinced we cannot do it without the power of God. And I am convinced that what we have done in 17 years is because of the power of God and not because of a man. I, I, I don't think you have an option. And, and let me say why. If you're going to confront the forces of darkness that our generation is confronting, I'm telling you guys, we need more power than ever before. And the argument that, oh, that healing, that, 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 that doesn't happen anymore. The Holy Spirit and the gifts and the power stuff, that, that just get the church established. I'm just going to say from my perspective, I really can't prove this. It's just my heart. I would say it's harder now than it was then. Really, I mean, think about it. After the day of Pentecost, Peter stands up and preaches a three-minute sermon, and 3,000 people get saved. Try that today. You could preach 300 sermons today and maybe 300 get saved. I don't know. It's way more difficult. We, we, we need more of God's power. And I think people, I, I really think that pe- God has been nudging you and God is wanting you to get another view of the whole thing, take another view from where you are. Yes, we have to be careful. And, and Paul rebuked people because they were stiff-necked. Here's what stiff-necked means. It means you can't hear and, and, and your heart is hard. If you can't hear what the Spirit is saying to you in this message and your heart's hard, here's what's going to happen. You're resisting it, and eventually if you keep resisting it, the Holy Spirit will leave you alone. Because the Bible says it's so easy to grieve the Holy Spirit. So we need to turn to God and His power. But why? Well, I'll let the Scripture answer that. 2 Timothy 3, verse 1. Mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, 
without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Hey, that looks like America to me. That looks like our world to us. But if you look at that last characteristic, having a form of godliness, a lot of churches, they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power. He, he's, he's inviting us. Listen, here's what God's inviting us. Not to weirdness, but to, not to goofiness. He's, he's inviting us to the genuine supernatural power so that we can be stronger in living out our lives. And I believe that is really what a Christian needs. So one obstacle is uninterested. Second obstacle is unaware. The Bible said, you know, you, you could be ignorant of things. You're unaware. Most, listen, and I say this respect, most people really don't know the Bible and the verses. They just know stuff in general, and they know what they've heard, and then they know what they've seen. So you say to somebody, say, hey, what, what, what do you guys believe? Hey, we believe the Bible. Really? What part? Well, all the stuff from the cover to the back cover, from Genesis through the maps. I mean, we believe it all. <laughs> I see two extreme responses to the unaware obstacle. I, I see one is the overemphasized about the Holy Spirit. It's overemphasized. It's way out of kilter. It's to the extreme. Pastor, do you know what happened to me to come to church today? You're not going to believe the kind of attack I came under coming to church. What happened? I had a flat tire. <laughs> the devil. No, the devil didn't do that. You ran over a nail. I'm, I'm serious. And I, listen, I'm being kind in these illustrations. I could give you some illustrations that are real. <laughs> and you would say, really, there are people like that? Oh, yeah, they're, they're, the woods are full of them, I'm telling you. <laughs> Pastor, I, I, I'm, I'm almost finished with school or, or, or this last test. And you know what the devil did? I, I just so distracted. I failed the test. No, you, the devil didn't do that. You just didn't study hard enough or you're dumb. I don't know which one, but I mean, you, did, you just didn't get it. Don't blame it on the devil. There's the overemphasis, and then there's the underemphasis. And in Acts 19, here's what happened. Paul found more disciples, and he said, hey, did you guys receive the Holy Spirit since you believed? Hey, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. What's that all about? Well, what did baptism did you receive? Oh, we received John's baptism. Yes, he said, believe in the one who's coming after him, and that's Jesus. We believe that's salvation. So in hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and then Paul said, oh, wait, there's more. He laid hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. However, we have to overcome some of the things we've been told or experienced. See, they, they didn't, oh, we didn't know. They're just innocent. That's what I'm telling you. If you weren't, great, you weren't raised in church, that's good. Because you understand, here, here they are. With, we have so many things we've been told about the Holy Spirit, so many things we've experienced, Everybody has their story where they went into a church and it was this and that and that happened It's wigged them out scared them and you have to overcome all of that because the Holy Spirit's been misrepresented And, and let me tell you the one that really bothers me the most this one really gets me it bothers me And you, it's the ideal of a second-class Christian and I call it the haves and the have-nots And I grew up in this because if you didn't have the Holy Spirit and you couldn't speak in tongues you you were a second-class citizen Can I tell you something? That is so far from God and so far from the heart of God that just it, it repulses me. It has to repulse God, and it's turned a lot of people off from the fullness of the Holy Spirit. See, God desperately wants to have his power in us to fulfill our mission. 
So obstacle one, not interested. Obstacle two, unaware. Obstacle three, this is the main one, the barrier of fear, the fear of the unknown, the fear of, oh, pastor, if I pursue this power, if we pursue this power, the next thing you know, we'll have chandeliers in every campus. Now, if you didn't get that joke, that means you're in pretty good shape. <laughs> if you got that joke, you're weird. Just like me, because we grew up like, oh, yeah, man, we're going to have church. We're going to swing from the chandeliers. So we were so devoted. We got to have that kind of service. And they never taught us about having a daily devotion with the Holy Spirit every day. They never taught us that day in and day out, the relationship with the Holy Spirit is for my personal growth and praying in the Spirit and in a prayer language is for my personal growth. It was all about the demonstration of the outward and bringing in people to see the outward and not focusing on the inward. And it fell flat on its face. And I hear some of you thinking, right now you're thinking out loud, Pastor, I love this church, but are we going to get weird? <laughs> no, we've been doing this the whole time. We're, we, we are weird, but I mean, yeah. No, God desires to do some things that are beyond our ability. He desires to do things that we can't understand, and you have to agree that, hey, this is bigger than us. He knows more than we know. He can do more than we do. And I, I, think, had, I think God has a challenge. I mean, nothing's impossible with God. I think his challenge is, is to try to get more power away, especially to people in America, to give more of his power away to people. And, and at the same time, these people are fighting these finite minds and this limited hard drive that's in here. But, but if you don't become comfortable with the uncertainty and the supernatural, you really can never get comfortable with God. And if you're never comfortable with God, here's what God will do. Somewhere in your life, he's going to mess you up because he's always doing something beyond your understanding. He's going to do something that you can't figure out. It's be, and then there's an element of this that's going to require you to go to the unknown. And we're afraid of the unknown. And I know there's fear associated with that. But here's what I'm saying. Take the journey. Trust the Lord. So, so, so listen to me. The Holy Spirit is neither unbiblical or outdated. Anybody that says it's unbiblical or outdated, they're wrong. It, it, and listen, the Holy Spirit is not some transcendental experience. It's not weird. People are weird. Listen, I'm telling you, their people are weird. You have a weird brother-in-law. You have a weird sister. You have a weird somebody in your family. You know weird. I know weird. We got people in our church that are weird, but God loves them. So don't look at weird people and put all of what God has for you in a box because there's somebody weird there. Look beyond the weird. Look at what God has for you. Are y'all breathing? Yeah. Maybe this whole group is just weird and you're feeling sensitive. I don't know. So we're going to look at some weird person that does something weird, and we're going to put this whole thing God has for a gift and say, oh, no, I'm not doing that because I'll end up like them. Listen. The Holy Spirit is not an end-all experience. Now, what I grew up in, you were basically taught that. The Holy Spirit is not an end-all experience. Salvation is, though. The blood of Jesus is all you will ever need to know God and get to heaven. But it has limitations. This power, and here's why it has limitations, because you're still going to need to love God and pray and worship and have faith and read your Bible. You still have to do all those things. This, this power, it's just something God desires for all of us. It's like he, he desires you to have a healthy marriage. He desires for you to get out of debt. He desires for you to have good relationships. He desires all. He just wants to make you stronger. 
And so here's what God did. He takes the Bible, and he puts a story in the Bible that illustrates it. He gives us this mental picture that all of us will understand. But sometimes this scripture has been kind of taken off to the extreme. So I want to give you this picture in the scriptures in the book of Ezekiel. It's chapter 47. Let me read verse 3. And as the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubics and then led me through water that was ankle deep. So here's what's going on. The Holy Spirit of God is showing Ezekiel, hey, I'm trying to call you into something different and, and, and new, and I'm going to use this teaching format to do it. And Ezekiel, I want you to pass it on. We're going to put it in the Bible, and you're going to pass it on to generations. And he said there in that verse, in verse 3, and he said, you're going to come to this part, the, this ankle-deep experience. And here's what that means. That means I have decided not to stay in the world, but to become a believer. The side of the banks represents the world that we live in. You've decided to get off the banks, step into the river. The river represents the presence of God, the flow of God, the, 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 the grace of God, the flow of God. So I've decided I'm going to get in, and when I get in, it's ankle-deep. But I'm not in the world now. I'm, I'm in the river of God. And, and God's river is there to help me fulfill my mission in life and take me where he wants me to take me. And, and, and so those who have gotten in, you, you've jumped in. I'm not going to stay in the banks anymore. I'm going to find God. I'm getting in. Verse 4, he measured off another thousand cubits and led me through the water that was knee deep. So getting a little deeper. And then he says, oh, and he measured off another thousand and led me to water that was up to the waist. So here's what God's doing. If you get in the river, if you're a believer, he's wanting you to know, hey, I'm going to take you, I'm going to challenge you to deeper levels. And, and yeah, and, and you're saved, and, 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 and you can go to heaven, and you, maybe you've got some bad attitudes, and maybe you've got a messed up marriage, and your finances is out of order, and there's a whole bunch of stuff going on, but why not go just a little deeper, get out of the ankles, go to the knees, and, and, and let God help you work out some of these things on the inside. Let him work out some things in you. And then he says in verse 4, and then you go waist deep. What's God doing? He's challenging you to go deeper. Verse 5, measure off another thousand. And now it was a river that I could not cross because the water risen was deep enough to swim in a river that no one could cross. He said, oh, wait. You go past the waist. Now you're in a river. You can't cross the river. Then he asks in the next verse, hey, do you see this picture? Do you see it? I'm asking you, do you see it? Then in verse 9, he says, and swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. What does that mean? That means living creatures, living beings who accepted Christ get in the river of God, and wherever the river flows, it's the symbol of the fullness of God taking you and fulfilling your mission in life. Here's the one problem with this story. Watch. I believe you can be saved and still maintain a little bit of self-control in your own life. I believe you can get ankle deep in the river, and the river's flowing, and the current's strong, but, but it's not deep enough to knock you down, and you can stay, and you're still connected to the world, and you're still, and you're saved, and you're going to heaven, but you're still in control just a little bit. you still got some control. But if you decide to go a little deeper, and, 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 and you know, you get, you get to the waist, it's a little tougher now. Because, because now the current's strong. You have to take a wider stance, but you're there, and you're still in, in control. You, you still got control. It's a little tougher. You have to pay attention. But listen, in that stance, you never get the best of God. You never get the best of God until your feet leave the ground. And the only way that's ever going to happen is you get to a place where the water's higher than you are. And when you're not touching the bottom, that means you're going where the river goes. And now, and I know, that's a scary place. 
because of what you've seen, what you've heard, what you've been taught. That's a scary place. But, but listen, here's the question. Can you trust God? Can you trust him? Can you trust what he's up to with the mission for your life? Yes, you can. Because the best that God has to offer is there. Where? In that river of life where I'm not connected to the earth and I'm not trying to control everything and I'm inviting him and he's leading me. That's, it's called supernatural because it's super, because it's God. And you overcome fear when you do that. So you have to release. There's a story. I, don't, I want to end with this. In, in the book of Acts chapter 4, it's after the day of Pentecost. Peter and John have, were, were there, and they're going to the temple to worship, and, and they get to the temple, and they're going to minister to some people. They're not knocking people over. They're not holding a crusade. They don't have snakes in their hands, and they don't even have a bottle of anointing oil. They just went to worship. Are y'all breathing? They just went to worship, and then they run into this guy who's been crippled all his life. They pray for him. He gets healed, and they get arrested. They get put in jail. They get arrested for a guy who's been crippled his whole life for being healed. Peter's response is, you mean you're against this because we helped somebody? See, to those who have been in fear, listen, just look around, not just here in this church, but there are a lot of churches in our community, in Mobile County, Baldwin County, that embrace the whole Word of God. There are a lot of life-giving churches, and in those churches, you'll see the fruit of the Spirit. You'll see the peace and the love. You'll see people getting saved. You'll see people getting restored. Their marriage is being healed. So what am I saying? I'm saying you can trust the Holy Spirit. Take the mission. I'm encouraging you to go there. And here's what I want to do. I want to tell you five things you're going to get if you go there. All right, Pastor, here's the catch. Now we're getting all—this that's all, is all going to be about tongues, right? It's all going to be about prophesying, right? It's all going to be about interpretations. No, no. It, 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 I, 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 remember, we want to know the person of the Holy Spirit. I'm not, I'm, this message is not about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But I want to tell you five words, five things I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. So here's the first one, witness. He wants to enable you to witness, Acts 1, 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Well, I'm, I've never been to Jerusalem. I've never been to Samaria. Da, da, da. No, Jerusalem is your, is your house, your community, your neighborhood. Your, your, your Judea could be your region of the state or the state of Alabama. Your, your Samaria could be the United States. The ends of the earth is people all over the world. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to have passion for souls and for people. I want you to love people, and only God can give you the ability to love people, but when he does, he, you need to be able to share the good news with people. He wants you to be empowered to witness. And listen, it doesn't matter where I go, what country, what nation I preach in, it's always the same. When I see people, they're God's people, and my heart goes out to them. I don't understand their language. I don't understand their culture. I don't know their history, their background. I just know there's something in here that goes out from here to them, and I communicate with them and love what God has. And, I've, and God has taught me how to share the gospel, how to preach the gospel, all those things. Why? Because that's the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's what I need is to be a witness. Here's the second thing I want you to receive. You will receive from the Holy Spirit. It's wonders. They're just signs. Their miracles are things that we don't know how they happened. We can't control it. God desires to flow through you with wonders. He, he, here's what he'll do. He wants to use you to speak a special word to someone that gives them insight, encouragement, direction, it changes their life. It gives them strength. And then he may never use you to do that again. But it's his gift. That's why he wants to do it. And other times, he may have you pray for somebody. Put your hand on him. Pray for their healing. 
and then they get healed. And what do we think? I'm the new evangelist on the street. I'm the healing evangelist. And then the next time you pray for somebody, you end up going to their funeral. I don't know how all that works. Pastor, explain it. I, I can't. That's why it's called a wonder. I wonder. I wonder why that did happen. I don't know. It's a wonder. If I could figure it out, it's not a wonder anymore. And Paul said, my message, listen to me, and my preaching did not come to you with wise and persuasive words. In other words, Paul saying, hey, I don't want to be the next best argument in town. But I came to share with the Word of God with you with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith may not rest on the fact that, oh, that was a good sermon, Paul. That was a good sermon, Pastor. But it would be confirmed by the power of God because, listen, everybody out there has an argument. Every religion has an argument. So what separates us? It's the power of wonders. Number three is worship. I believe at the heart of, out, of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it will do inside of you, give you a freedom to worship. Nothing better than the experience of God through the freedom of worship. And Trey did a great job on that last weekend. Warfare. Warfare? Yeah, because we're dealing with powers and rulers of darkness and wicked spirits. I mean, that doesn't sound the, like the lay-me-down-to-sleep combat prayer, does it? And if you read about the armor of God in Ephesians 6, 18, it says, and then after it lists the whole armor, it says, and then pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Pray in a prayer language with all kinds of prayers and requests. God wants to bring us to a place where we are literally fighting a spiritual warfare. Pastor, we believe in spiritual warfare? Oh, yes, we do. That's how we've gotten here. We've had to fight. I believe we're in a fight. And if you decide not to believe in spiritual warfare, the fight doesn't go away. It's still there. Number five, weakness. I believe every one of us has had times in our Christian walk where we've done everything we know to do, do the best we can, but it's simply not enough. And we don't know what to do. This is happening. That's happening with my family, with my loved ones. And we don't know what to do. How, how do we get through this? That's why the Bible tells us in Romans 8, 26, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness when we do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes through us through wordless groans. That's a, that's a prayer language. That's another language. And he searches our heart and knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. When you connect with God and you pray in the Spirit, you literally get past this heart issue. You bypass the limitation in your mind, and then God's Spirit brings you peace and gives you direction, gives you revelation and insight, and all of a sudden you realize, I don't know how I got here, but this is good. Thank you, God. So, how do I go there? How do I start the journey? How many of you want to know? Okay, let me do it this way. When I give you these three, we're going to leave. Now how many want to go? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to show you how you start the journey, Okay. And it's not the theological stuff, and I can give you all that kind of stuff, and not teaching all that, and all that. No, no, no. I'm going to tell you the, the simplest way for you to start this journey. And I encourage you. My heart is heavy for you. Because listen, this is not something new in our church. We've been doing this for years. But there are new people in our church, and maybe you don't know, maybe you haven't experienced it. Let me show you how to start the journey. Number one, desperation. Desperation? Yeah. I want more of God than I've ever had. I know there's more of God, but I want more of God. I want God's way in my life. Do you know that the older you get, the more you realize that there's more to God that you don't even know and have no idea? 
It, it doesn't diminish the older you get. It's like, okay, I got all this and that. No, 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 no. The older you get, it's like, oh my goodness. There's another face. There's another dimension. There's another direction. There's another insight. There's another level. So desperation. Listen, at this church, we are not thrill seekers. We are not looking for manifestations of the Holy Spirit for entertainment. The Holy Spirit is not our entertainment. We are just hungry for more. And Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for they will be filled. I am desperate to give my all and all to God so that he will fill me with everything that I need. Second word is humility. You got to be desperate. I want more of you, God. Second is humility. Now, let, can I get on a pet peeve for two minutes? I'm going to do it anyway. I loathe the whole concept of what we, uh, 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 with this, in, in some camps, and I grew up in this camp, is look what we got. I mean, we, we're all that in a bag of chips, and you're not because we got this. It just makes me say, listen, if you want the best of God, understand you get the best, you, you get higher by going lower. You don't walk around with spiritual arrogance and say, well, you don't have the gifts of the Spirit, and you don't prophesy, you don't do this, and you don't do that, look at us, and we do. Oh, it, it's about getting on our face. It's about kneeling in, our, in, in the presence of God and, and saying, God, I, I, I want to know you. I, I want to know you. Instead, we're at a place of getting more of God. Jesus said, whoever loses his life finds his life. The key to that is humility. You say, Pastor, can there really be that kind of arrogance in spiritual realms? Oh, yes, yes. Just because you got the label and you're going to heaven doesn't mean that you're not, you can't be tempted to be arrogant and prideful. There's so many, so many movements and so many people and so many organizations that you deal with. You know, I, I could start naming them in, in, in other countries that, you know, you would know. So if I named them here, I'd be in trouble. But if I name them there, you would know. But, but th th there's arrogance, spiritual arrogance. And it's, it's not that way. It's, it's like, okay, God, I've got to stay humble. I, I've got I've to I've decrease and you increase. Third word, purity. So I'm looking at desperation, humility, and purity. Here's what God's looking for. God is looking for someone to say, God, change me. Get the junk out. And here's what we do. We do this well. We learn how to departmentalize our junk. And we, can, we do it pretty good. We can put it in a locker. Yeah, we, we were in one of the train stations in Europe, and we were changing trains, and we had an hour or two, so we locked our luggage in a, in a, in a lock, and then we went on the streets and hit the subway and went around a little bit for an hour and came back. So we, we locked our luggage away. I, I, I think we're good at this. Because I, I, think, I think you kind of know all the stuff that, that you need to get rid of. You know the junk, and, and we lock it away on Sunday morning or on the weekend. We come to church, but we still go back and put it back together. See, here's what I'm saying. If I want to be pure, I want less of me and more of you. I want you to purify inside of me. And that's why Jesus said, watch what he said. He said, John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. Watch what that word means. It means a, it's a purifying word. It means it, the fire, the power of the Holy Spirit burns out all this junk in my heart and my attitudes. It begins to change me from the inside out. And that's what I want. I don't want to be impure inside. I don't want to be miserable inside. I don't want to have to lock up my baggage on Sunday and pick it up on Monday. I don't want to live that way. I don't want to have to hide it from my wife, from my children, from my family. I don't want to hide it from coworkers. I want to be who I am. I want to be the pure believer of Jesus Christ so the Holy Spirit can activate my life. So I'm inviting you to come to the power of the Holy Spirit to complete the mission of your life, to complete the mission of our church as a group. 
And I want you to know this. I want you to understand this, that everything that's taken place in this house for 17 years is because of the power of God's Holy Spirit. I promise you, it's not me. It is not me. I'm just a sheep like you. I'm one stride ahead of you because God said, I want you to lead sheep. So I got, I got three yards. I got a yard in front of you. That's it. That's it. Some of you could outrun me easily. What am I saying? I'm saying I want to lead us to be healthy people and not abuse nor neglect or be afraid of the Holy Spirit because of this or because of that or because of what we think and what we thought. I'm challenging you to go into an open relationship with God and say, God, I want to become desperate for you. God, I, I, I want to be in a place of humility. It's not about me. It's not about that. It's about you. I, I want to be in a place of purity. And I promise you, when you do that, here's what's happened. You just went from ankle deep to knee deep, or you went from knee deep to waist deep. Or maybe you're in a place where you just, there you go. You just, your feet can't even touch the bottom anymore. Oh, I got I to share this. I'm so out of time. Can I share this? God just dropped this in my spirit. I have not shared this. My wife said I'd have to share this one day, and now's the time. Let me share this. The picture just, just blindsided me. Off the, uh, the feet off the water. There you go. You got to go. Uh, last year, I, I did a triathlon. Part of the try is to swim. I never learned how to swim properly. As kids, we learned to swim. So I worked and practiced swimming and swimming and swimming and and then the try we did was down at the Gulf. And I told her the night before, we went out and we signed up and saw all this stuff and how far you got to swim and the run wasn't a problem, the bike wasn't a problem, but up here the swim was a problem. And here's what I said, because you run, you, you swim first, then, then you bike, then you run. So here's what I said to my wife. I said, if I allow fear to get in my mind on that swim, I will struggle to complete the race. I promise you, you swim out, you turn right, you swim back, you, you go across, then you swim back. I swam out, I pause to catch my composure, people everywhere, and all of a sudden, because I've been swimming in a pool, not in the ocean, all of a sudden fear got a hold of my mind. I started to panic. I'm thinking about everything that's under me. Now, I've lived here all my life, so I know what's out there. Fear took a hold of me. I could not get back into my swim form. I reverted back to panic. So for the other two-thirds part of the swimming, here's what happened. Oh, I made it. <laughs> but when I got out of that water, I was physically mentally and emotionally beat. I cannot even remember running up the banks to get on my bike. I can't even remember putting on my gear to ride my bike. And, and let me tell you this, and this is really bad, but I'm going to go ahead and say it because I haven't told anybody this, okay? At these events, they have these picture, people taking pictures of all this whole thing. I did not know this until a month later. They sent me a picture. You know, I'm coming out of the water, and they show me getting the bike, and they, you know, they take all these pictures, and they show me on my bike. I'll tell you how messed up I was. And I ride a bike a lot. I put my helmet on backwards and didn't even know it. <laughs> I rode 14 miles with a helmet on backwards. <laughs> what am I saying? I'm just telling you, 
You have a mission to complete it. And if you allow the fear of what you've been told and what the enemy will play in your mind, it will paralyze you and you can't complete what God's called you to complete. Oh, I finished the race, but my, my, my practice time was like half of what I, be, what I did then. I'm frustrated. I'm exhausted. I'm worn out. I don't want to finish this race and be frustrated and exhausted and think, oh my goodness, this life was horrible. That's not what God's Holy Spirit's about. I, that, that's not it. The Holy Spirit is God. It's a person. He's a gentleman. He's kind. He's gracious. He's merciful. He's not weird and strange and spooky. That's people. And I challenge you to complete the race with the grace and the fullness and the power of the living God and not try to let fear take over what you don't know or what's been told to you. So hit the page. If you got a Word document, hit the page. New doc. Clear the page. I challenge you. I challenge you to just start pursuing God in His presence. Pursuing. You watch what happens. Father, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for Jesus. But Jesus knew, you, you knew when you left that we needed the Holy Spirit. You, you knew we could not do this without the Holy Spirit. And yet mankind in our culture has taken the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and so perverted them and inverted them and twisted all of these mindsets that, God, we, sometimes we just don't really even know. I'm asking you, Lord, to prove yourself and let people have the, the, the courage and, and the fortitude to go beyond fear and not let fear paralyze them to go back to the way they used to do it and think and try to activate in that. But Lord, let them be retrained by the Spirit of God and the Word of God so they can complete the race, their mission, and enjoy it and not be worn out and tired, but be refreshed and energized because of the power of your Holy Spirit. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen.